Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. I am the host, Patrick Jones, and on this episode, we have Brandon Zink. Brandon is currently a coach at Ohio Wesleyan University. He also runs the Bo Jackson Elite Travel Organization. Um, he's coached uh, college baseball in the past at, at other schools, including St. Petersburg College down in Florida. Um, he's he's coached in some professional baseball, and you know now he's doing travel baseball. And so in this episode, we talk about a little bit of of everything. We talk about college baseball. We talk about some high school baseball, and you know he's very very good at developing infielders. I'd say that's one of his top things that he's he's really known for is developing infielders. So if you're someone who is is interested in infield play and, and developing infielders, this is going to be an episode for you. And we also get into, you know, running a, a team and, and managing a team. And we even get into some lineup discussions and, and talk about, you know, communicating how you, you can't possibly communicate enough with your players and, and with the, the other parents and coaches and things. So great episode. Brand's a good dude. Um, we'll put all of his information and in the uh, show notes page and uh, it, you know, make sure that you have subscribed not only on iTunes, but if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a short review, it would literally take a minute and it would help out the show so much. I, uh, I love reading any of the, any reviews that have been written on iTunes and I appreciate it anytime somebody does that. It, it does mean a lot. And so I, that's the only thing that, you know, I would, I ask is if you could write a short review and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes, that's going to help get the word out to more and more coaches, more and more parents, which is going to impact more and more players. So hope you enjoy this episode with Brandon Zink. All right, we now welcome on Brandon Zink. Brandon, thanks for coming on the show today. Absolutely, Patrick. I I, uh, I know we were just doing our uh, our introduction talk here, but uh, one thing I forgot to mention is I've been listening to your podcast for a couple of years now, so it's super exciting for me to uh, to jump on here and give uh, give my experiences and my insight on coaching and you know whatever else you want me to to touch on. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited for this one just because it's it's exciting. Obviously, anytime I I get to do the podcast, but it's also exciting when I have someone like yourself on who's, you know, been been doing it for a few years now and have had you know various roles within baseball, even the travel baseball, professional baseball, college baseball, and you're you're now kind of able to to see things at a bunch of different levels and even youth baseball too. And I know, you know, you, you have a background, you do in infield, you've been a head coach, you know, good in-game manager as well. Let's start off. I, I want to, I'm, I'm curious to how you go about helping, helping players develop starting at from at the ground level. So let's just start maybe like the youth level and we'll just mainly just talk about infielders now, but there's going to be coaches listening to this parents. They have a, a, a young player who's an infielder. Like, how do you go about helping those kids develop? Yeah, so for me, um, you know, I always try to build off experiences. One, um, if you're if you're talking about someone that doesn't have a background uh, in infield, um, I would say try and try and progress uh, the, the player. Um, you know, for for me, I always want to first build a relation relationship. Uh, I want to make sure that uh, the player trusts me. And sometimes that trust comes from, um, you know, not necessarily a, a background or a playing standpoint from, but just from like, 
um, asking the player how he's doing. Uh, for me, like even in my lessons uh, now, um, I'll ask the player, how was school? How was, you know, what did you have for dinner last night? What's for dinner tonight? Uh, you know, what's your favorite food? Just um, trying to, like I said, build that relationship and, and gain that gain that trust. Um, even at the college level, like it's funny, I'll show up and we'll talk about music or we'll talk about girls or we'll talk about, you know, if they're an older uh, upperclassman, we'll talk about the bars around campus. Um, so just, uh, just like I said, gaining that trust, gaining that relationship first. And then um, uh, as I was touching on a second ago, like I, I like to, to progress. So if it's somebody that I haven't worked with before, uh, I'll start off and I'll, I'll hit ground balls. I'll um, just kind of assess where they're at. Um, and for me, I always try and get a baseline um, of, of where they're at with, with various things. How does the glove look? How does the, how does the approach look? How does the pre-pitch look? All, you know, all the little check boxes that uh, we as coaches try and, um, or I should say buckets that we as coaches try and, you know, put players skills in. Um, and then, uh, you know, we'll do that maybe eight to 10 reps, um, probably similar to maybe when you run a, a hitting lesson, you probably hit off the tee or do something to, to start off to, to get a guy loose. And then, um, and then just uh, understand what buckets you want to focus on. Um, depending on, on the age of the player, uh, what I always try to do is, is talk to them. Uh, and I think it's important to, to always kind of meet the player kind of in the middle or, or, or where they are in their development. So if it's a young kid and, you know, again, this is just speaking from experience. Like if I'm a 10 year old coming into the facility or, or meeting an instructor for the first time, I probably have no idea what I want to work on or, or anything like that. So I always try and have kind of a, a couple baseline drills or a couple baseline uh, after, you know, after I see where they're at, you know, baseline drills or baseline ideas of what I want to work on. Um, if it's an older player and I've, you know, I've worked with a ton of older players, ton of high school, college guys. Um, typically they come in with some sort of sense of what they want to work on. Obviously it'll, it'll change after that, you know, the, those initial ground balls, but um, I was trying to ask like, Hey, is there something you want to focus on? If it's somebody I've been working with for a long time uh, and, you know, they trust me, I trust them. I say like, all right, you know, what have you been struggling with? Is, is there a, is there a drill that you felt we did, previously that you really want to, you know, dive, dive into again, or, or a technique that you want to dive deeper into. Um, ironically, I've got a lesson with a, a kid tonight. He's a high schooler and he's a, he's a great kid. Good, uh, uh, good athlete. Um, but he's, you know, he's been struggling back in. So we've been doing more backhand or implementing more backhand drills, um, into our, uh, into our training sessions. So, like I said, just, just meeting that player where, where they are in their development and, uh, you know, always keeping it fun is important for me, keeping it creative. Um, if you've got a number of guys that you're working with, um, keeping it competitive, adding a, a little competition, uh, uh, piece into it always keeps it fresh. And, um, you know, one of the things I've done, and, and this is more from a curriculum standpoint when I build programs and when I build a, you know, a, a lesson curriculum, if you will, um, is understanding the amount of time you have and then breaking it down uh, in increments by the age of the player. So I mentioned like, if you're a 10 year old or, or a younger kid coming in, 
I always try and break, break down what we're doing in like five to 10 minute increments. So if it's something that I feel like the player is really mastering, maybe that is more of a, again, depending on what we're working on, but maybe that's more of a, a five minute thing. Like, okay, we've spent five minutes. He's, he's getting really good. Let's move on to the next thing. Um, or maybe it's an attention span thing. Like I've worked with, I'm sure you have too, with a bunch of guys that are, uh, they, they just get bored easily um, with a drill or, or uh, maybe they aren't having su success with a drill. So it's, you know, all right, we're going to only do this for five minutes. Let's move on to the next thing. And, you know, trying to keep like three to five things in your back pocket, if it's a 30 minute session, right. Keeping those things in your back pocket, just in case uh, a struggle occurs, just in case a, you know, boredom occurs. Um, I, I probably rambled on about this, but uh, that's kind of how I approach my, uh, my instruction. Um, whether it's like I said, a youth player, a middle school, high school, or a college player. What's usually the, the lowest hanging fruit that you see when working with, with those kids? Like, for example, on the, on the hitting side, you know, there's a lot of kids who they, 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 they don't maintain connection through their swing or their front shoulder flies out early um, or they, you know, jump at the ball and lose their backside, you know, get stuck, things like that. Is there any, any couple things that you consistently see time and time again that uh, you consistently have to work on with infielders? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, depending on the level, uh, pre-pitch is, is a big one. Ironically, like, um, you know, I was at the college on Friday uh, at Ohio Wesleyan on Friday and, uh, you know, just talking to guys, I was actually in the corner. We did a, a scrimmage and I'm in the corner, like videoing infielders to show them like, hey, here's your pre-pitch. You're, you're getting stuck here. You're, you're a little, little slow reaction wise. Um, so that's one of the big ones. And then just the timing uh, of the fielding process, timing up the, the fielding process, uh, even at the, I see a lot at the youth level, but even at the high school level, I see guys struggle with when to, you know, when to plant their, if they're righty, when to plant the right foot, uh, how to land, are they, are they landing, you know, um, heel, are they landing full foot, are they stopping their, their momentum? Um, that's one of the biggest things. And then just throwing. Um, you know, it was funny. I was listening to your um, podcast with uh, uh, Calix Crab a few minutes ago uh, before I jumped on here with you. But uh, one of the things you guys were talking about was throwing. And that's that's the thing I see a lot is um, just footwork as it relates to, to throwing, understanding their their arm angles, understanding, you know, when to use arm angles. Um, you know, I know you've talked to Calix about like throwing overhand first throwing sidearm and I'm a guy that's always thrown that's always thrown uh from like a three o'clock arm slot and it's just how I've I've always done it and uh you know I think just uh getting guys comfortable and, and letting guys kind of feel things out and um you know I always I always say like let a let a guy let, let a player be be an athlete first and then we'll we'll teach them in field we'll teach them the mechanics versus teaching the mechanics and, and hoping that the athleticism come second um there you know there's there's always a balance so um yeah i would say those are kind of the the lower hanging fruits regardless of the age level now obviously there's there's other things i see but those are really like the three or four things that i see from a, a consistent uh, across the board standpoint that if we can really master those um you know specifically at a younger level um we should be really good moving progressing forward 
on the on the hitting side, you know, there, there's a point where of no return in the sense that you can, you know, just swing and swing and swing and, and you know, start you can be swinging so much that, you know, you find something wrong with your swing. Right. It, on the infield side, is it possible to take too many ground balls? Like, is there a point where you're taking so many ground balls and it's it's not really doing anything or can you just do as I mean, as many as you can possibly do and it's only going to help you? Um, yeah, it's, that's actually a really good question. I, I think it depends on, it depends on how you're taking them. Um, one of the, one of the ideas I've been trying to kind of push with our players at, at Bo Jackson's is playing faster. And I would say if you're a passive player meaning, or a passive infielder, meaning if you're not, um, aggressive to the ground ball, if you're just kind of sitting back on, on every ground ball and, I don't, I know you've, I don't think you've ever been to our facility, Pat, but, uh, and I've invited you up. So, uh, feel free to come up, but, uh, I'll be uh, up. I'll turf. Come up. yeah, yeah. Come up. You're always welcome. But, uh, we have turf, we have a turf infield and, um, you know, obviously it's, it's easy to, to get passive on turf. You can sit back. Um, but, uh, yeah, playing fast is, is one of the things where, like I said, I've, I've been trying to to harp on our infielders. Um, so to answer your question, uh, yeah, I think, I think there is like, there are negative things that, that come along sometimes with, with taking too many ground balls. If you're, if you're doing it wrong, uh, I think if you, if you can continue to change the pace of the ground ball, continue to change the type of hop, um, then I think it's, you know, adding that randomness, right is where you're, is where you, I, I think you don't fall into that, uh, th those bad habits. It's probably let's, same thing with, with hitting, right? I, I know that's your, your forte, like adding uh, angles to your front toss, adding angled BP. I actually saw a really cool drill with like three hack attacks set up coming from various angles where the hitter's trying to do something different with each, uh, with each hack attack, with each feed. Um, you know, I think there's different things you can do, but yeah, if you're just, taking rep after rep after rep that's just never changing yeah i think you can definitely fall into a a uh you know bad habits fall into a, a trap of just you know never becoming adjustable yeah that's a great point and i when i was with the orioles you know obviously we're playing other teams and so you're watching what other teams do and and their infield play and warming up batting practice and stuff like that and one of the, the teams that really stuck out to me and they made more of an emphasis on defense than anything else. I mean, it seemed like half the time they, they didn't even really hit. And it was uh, it was Cleveland. And you know, we would go there and, and there some of the stuff that they were doing on, on defense, uh, I'd never seen in my life. I mean, from from a, a development standpoint, from some of the drills that they were doing, having other players do. And they were outstanding defensively. Uh, so maybe that's some carryover crossover from when Kai Correa was there and, and some of the stuff he implemented, but uh, that was impressive. And to your point, the reason I bring that up is, you know, it was, it was never really just the same speed or same ground balls. I mean, they had guys starting in different constraints positions. They had guys starting in various parts of the field. It was, uh, yeah. it was pretty impressive. It was pretty fun to watch and, um, you know, I think it's, it's something that, as you said, it's, you just, you can't do the same thing time and time again and, and consistently get better, um, just by doing, you know, repeated movements time and time again. 
what are what's something that you you see from like college guys or high school guys that you know you maybe that they they really need to work on or emphasize in order to get to that next level like is it is it playing faster or is it arm strength like what would you say for them specifically they need to do a better job of <clears throat> yeah that's a that's a good question man um yeah, for our high school guys, I would say definitely playing faster. And, and I, again, I'm just speaking from from the guys that I work with, but from uh, from high school and, and college, uh, I would say playing faster for sure. Um, I would say understanding their understanding themselves as player, like as a player. Um, one of the things that uh, I see a lot, and I'm, it's, I don't want to talk negatively about like high school coaches or, or how players are, are, you know, communicated with from at various levels. But I think understanding a player's a player, understanding his own game and coaches being honest with player with players, like, Hey man, you, you don't have a great arm. And actually this is, this was me growing up, right? You don't have a great arm. We're going to shift you over second base. It's not a knock on you. You're, you're still going to be in the lineup. Um, Just understanding their role. Right. And, uh, from a college standpoint, I think there's there's more uh, advanced things that that we do specifically at at Ohio Wesleyan. Um, understanding, so we we just to give you kind of a peek behind the curtain, we do shift cards, and that was that's one of my um, one of my jobs at Ohio Wesleyan is to create the shift cards. So I you know I go through the data and I understand where everyone's hot zones are and where their tendencies are uh, ground ball wise and um, and fly ball wise for the outfielders. And, and I do, uh, I do the shift card. So getting the players to, uh, understand the importance of that. Um, and then from a practice and, and, um, preparation standpoint, making sure they're getting ground balls in those spots to where they're shifting. Um, I would say, uh, and then I guess on top of that too, is making sure that they're prepared to not just field a ground ball there, but to throw and, uh, adjust to, to throw, you know, if they're going, you know, in the hole, if, if it's a shortstop and he's playing more behind second base, make sure, making sure that he's understanding what the next uh, piece of that, that fielding puzzle is, or if he shifted closer to the, to the third baseline, um, making sure that he understands um, it's a longer throw. What, what's that longer throw entail uh, arm angle wise. Um, maybe it's, throwing uh or or ball flight wise maybe he's got to get a longer hop maybe it's a you know we're i'm at division three so we're not um we don't always have the guys with the greatest skills sometimes right um it's not a knock on our guys but uh it's just getting them to understand like you know maybe not try and muscle it up here but uh like i said understand yourself maybe instead of muscle it up you gotta give it a, a skip over there to first base uh dig it in the ground and give the first baseman a chance to to maybe get a long hop. So um, yeah, man, to, to answer your question, like I said, I think it's just getting players to understand themselves as, as players, as athletes. Um, that's one of the biggest things. Um, and then from a training standpoint with them, I think it's, uh, it becomes easier because you can have those honest conversations. You can have um, probably more productive conversations and, and then uh, kind of lead them or set them on a, on a better path uh, to be successful. We had a uh, uh, Paul Yanish on the podcast uh, several months ago. One of the things that that he said is, you know, the, the enemy of an infielder is anxiety. Absolutely. Is there anything that you 
help your infielders with specifically to help reduce that anxiety? I mean, I, you hear some stuff from, you know, kind of glaring off into the, the stands or, or finding something to, to zone out for a second when you're, you know, in the middle of, you know, between pitches or whatever, just to try to lock yourself back in. But is there anything that, you know, you have found has, has helped certain guys? Um, that's a good question, man. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still, obviously every guy's different, right? I'm still trying to, I'm still probably trying to answer that question myself. Um, you know, I, I know it's, it's funny you asked this question because I was thinking about it this, this morning. Uh, I know growing up as, as an infielder, and this was probably a product of my environment, I was always afraid to fail. And I think that's what, and again, I, I, I wasn't a, a great, you know, I didn't play in the major leagues that, you know, obviously, but, uh, you know, from a, um, what hindered me, uh, you know, as I kind of self-reflect, I would say my anxiety is as a, as a fielder, my, um, worry to fail. And I think a lot of players are like, that is, you know, obviously baseball is a game of failure and you're going to fail a lot. Um, but, uh, I think helping that player prepare, whether it's, pregame and and for me Patrick one of the things that I try to do here at the facility and also at Ohio Wesleyan um, is set players up with a routine and uh, a routine that they feel comfortable with um, I know and and I coached a 14u team this year and I know one of the the biggest things you know with them uh, because they're you know some guys are going through puberty some guys are at various skill levels you know we got some guys that are already committing to a high level college baseball and some guys that are still kind of figuring out their swing or where they fit, uh, on the roster. Um, but I, you know, one of the things I told, uh, I told our group, you know, moving into the season was, listen, I don't care, you know, who you are as a player or, or your skill level. I feel like if we can create positive routines, you know, you're going to be set up for success. Once you do hit puberty, once you do hit high school, once you do hit college. Um, so like I said, it, Creating those routines, I, I think, helps players overcome the anxiety and then just helping players stay loose in the game. Uh, I try not to touch on mechanics too much. I try not to, um, you know, focus too much on specific, I guess, mechanics, is, is, you know, skills or, or glove work, whatever you want to call it uh, during the game. I just try to, you know, keep a, a loose atmosphere, try and keep players light. If, if a mistake happens, we'll touch on it. Um, either at the end of the game or unless the player approaches me and then I just try to give them positive reinforcement and say, Hey man, you know, it, it was a tough hop and maybe try and shift focus somewhere else. Like it was a tough hop, you know, let's, you know, worry about this next day B or yeah, you had that man. You know, maybe it just took a, you know, bad bounce on you. You, you had it all the way, right. We've, we've done it in, in practice before. So um, just try to, you know, like I said, keep them loose, keep things, you know, I, I mentioned fun and creative, like, keep things um, fun and creative in the game sometimes and, and how you approach the player, how you approach a, a situation. Um, I would say that's, again, I'm, I'm still, I'm still trying to fight through it myself and learn myself, like what are the best ways. But uh, I would say from, uh, you know, an experience standpoint, that's what I've done. I've tried to get players just loose in game, keep players loose in game and, and help them prepare pregame or, or in practice to, you know, hopefully, um, rhythm of that anxiety or at least decrease it. Yeah. And I think just uh, 
getting guys to understand how important like having a presence is out there. I, I just talking with some college coaches uh, wasn't something that I really thought too much of maybe just cause I wasn't an infielder, but just, I know there's certain, some kids that I work with even on the hitting side and uh, you know, just, they, they don't necessarily look confident out there. I would say for some of these kids from what I, what I see too, is they've been uh, what I call just, they've been Americanized. And so and they need some more Dominican in them because yeah. they're, they're so robotic and so fundamentally sound that it, it just, it does, it looks stiff and they, they need some of that swag. They need some of that Dominican in them that, and hopefully I don't get in trouble for saying that, but it's just the honest truth. And I was watching, um, I'm sure you remember Brandon Crawford, who's a great yeah. defender. I saw a video of him the other day, just on, on you, or I think it was Instagram. And I sent a couple of the guys and it just, you I mean, a lot of the plays he was, he was making to your point. I mean, he was obviously relaxed and, and having fun out there too, but I mean, he was just being an athlete. And, you know, I think when, when that happens and you're not so stiff and everything, it, it frees you up to, to have success. And uh, the only other point that I'll uh, say to this, and I'll, I mean, I'm curious to hear what, what you have to say about this, but I had on uh, Dave Anderson a while ago on my podcast and, and I love, and I love Dave to death before I say this, but he played 10 years in the major leagues and it wasn't, and he'll be the first to admit this. It wasn't because of his bat and you can look up his statistics. Yeah. Like he played 10 years in the major leagues because of, it, because of his glove. And he said, one of the biggest things that helped him was when he was in the minor league struggling, questioning his own ability uh, throwing the ball everywhere because he was starting to guide the ball. He wasn't just letting it loose. And he had an infield coordinator. He's like, they came up to him and said, hey, every time a ball is hit to you, I want you to throw it as hard as you can to first base. I do not care if it goes in the stands or not. And so he'd field a ground ball. He'd throw it. He would go in the stands. He'd go back in the dugout. And the coordinator would be like, that a baby. Like, go do it again next yeah. time. And so it's I think sometimes it's so helpful to have someone like yourself who, you know, when players do make mistakes or, you know, make an error is be like, if they were going full, full force at it, a great job, you know, do it again. And we'll keep working at it. I think that that can help a lot of players too. It's funny. You mentioned that because uh, I've, I've listened to that, that episode. And uh, I, I actually listened to it last year. I remember I was driving back from the college to home and I, I remember it's, that's always stuck with me. What, what Dave said was throw it, I think he said three rows in the stands or something like that. Yeah. And I still, to this day, I, I use that ever since I heard that I will use that with some of our players that, um, you know, have trouble getting the ball to first base or, or have trouble just, you know, being accurate. And uh, it's, it's funny that you brought that up because I, I, I use that on the regular, but uh, Hey, one of the things I was going to mention and it, it reminded me is, um, you know, you mentioned presence. It's, it's just like a picture, like having mound presence. But uh, one of the things I, I do or I, I try to tell players is obviously we want players to have confidence, but um, but I, let me back that up. One of the or some of the most successful players that I've coached are players that don't give an F, right? They, they don't care. Um, and I don't mean that negatively. It's it's they don't care how they look. They don't care how how you know what you think about them out there. They just are they're just having fun. They're just they're just dudes uh, and they think they're the best out or best infielder out there on the diamond. And uh, it's kind of like hitting, right. I, um, there's a story that our GM here at the facility always, always tells about uh, a player. I don't know if I should uh, 
say him by name, but the guy played in the big leagues for a long time. And uh, I don't know his career numbers, but he wasn't the best player. He wasn't the best hitter, but he would walk into the cage and uh, he would walk in with the most swagger, the, you know, he thought he was the best hitter. Um, And that, you know, it's probably how he stuck in the big leagues because he, he just had that internal, you know, thought about himself that he was the best guy out there and, you know, whether he was or not, um, you know, he put up good seasons, but uh, you know, that's, I think that's what a lot of players miss. And, and I think if we can somehow bring that out in players and, and provide them the confidence to, um, to play like that and to have that, that internal confidence, it's, it's probably, you know, goes a longer way than, than we know. So. Oh, dude. I'm, yeah. I mean, don't even get me started. I, I, you know, I read a lot about a lot of this different stuff. I read on, you know, quantum physics and uh, you know, law of attraction type of stuff too. And I think that the thing that a lot of people don't understand when it, when it comes to believing in yourself and that inner voice inside of you and, you know, feeding yourself those positive thoughts is, is, you know, it's one thing to, to, to have a, a goal, like a, a dream, whether it be playing the big leagues, power five, you know, I probably like a lot of the listeners were, you know, kids who are going to be listening to this, things like that. Like, I love it. Like, that's awesome. But the problem is, is you don't actually live your life in order to accomplish that, that goal. Like you don't live like an all-star, you don't live like a, a power five everyday type of player. You know, you say it's your, it's like a wish, you know, you, you want it, but you don't live it. And so you, it, it, it takes both. It takes the belief, the internal belief and in those internal thoughts at like that example, of that guy you just gave. And it also takes the action of, of doing what those types of, of people do. And so when you can combine the belief with the action, that's when you're going to get something special. Yeah, I know for me, and, and this is something I try to do uh, more of in my life is just self-confidence. I was, you know, I was just mentioning how, when I was a player, I was, I was scared to fail. And, uh, for me, like, um, it's funny. I I think I actually got this from my wife. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about just self-confidence and confidence and, you know, the things we do on the daily, on a daily basis. And and she pushes me, but one of the things I've tried to get better with is, um, you know, for really, I think since COVID hit too, is, is just, all right, you, you do all this stuff, you, uh, you, you know, add the tools to the toolbox, if you will, you are, you know, uh, a good coach, a good, this, a good, that. And, uh, you know, I just try to wake up every morning kind of with that thought in my head, like, all right, I'm not going to care. Like I was just telling, telling you about the, the guy in, uh, in, in the cage, like, I, I don't care what people think about me, right. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to, I'm going to coach this game just, with the, the best of my ability, but just knowing that, um, or, or you know, I guess with the thought of, I know my stuff, I know what I'm talking about. Right. And I'm not saying I know everything I shoot. I don't, you know, I, I probably know like 1% of what, who, you know, Perry Hill, right. We always talk about Perry Hill as being the best infield instructor. Right. But, uh, or Kai Correa, but, uh, you know, I, 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 that's probably how much I know, but, in my head, like having the confidence that, okay, I know what I'm talking about. And, um, you know, I, you know, putting my best foot forward, if you will, every single day, whether it's coaching, whether it's, you know, instructing, whether it's being whatever. Right. So I I think 
you know, just going back to the the point that we've touched on, like if we can continue just to tell players like, Hey, you know, you might not feel this today, but you know, all right, let me rephrase that. Like, you know, you wake up tomorrow. If, if it's a game setting, like wake up tomorrow and feel like you're the best player out there. Feel like you're the best pitcher out there. Feel like you're the best first baseman, out there, whatever they are, best hitter, best guy in the box. And uh, try and instill that confidence uh, once they get to the field. And um, man, I, I feel like we've rambled on, but yeah, man, that's, that's what I try to do. Well, it's a good basis. topic to ramble on, it, it on is. because it it's really so important. Is, yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, I, I, one of the things though, I, I do want to ask you about now because you've, you've had experience with this and it, I think it is important to, to hit on is, you know, just gen, just coaching in general, like you, you coach travel baseball. I know you've coached in college, you've done some stuff, even professional baseball, but what are some of the things that, that coaches can improve upon? Uh, maybe let's just even start from just a, a game management standpoint, because there really is an, an art to that. Um, especially it's not like, you know, you're in, you're in the major leagues and you have all this data information and you're told what to do for every single thing. So, you know, when you're coaching a travel team, how do you go? I mean, what, what's some good pieces of advice you have for managing the game, getting players in like all that stuff? Yeah, for, for me, it's, it's going in with a plan. Um, it's, it's a soft plan, right? So like, <clears throat> and you mentioned travel baseball. I coach, like I mentioned, I, I coached a 14 U team. I've coached travel baseball for a number of years. Um, but I always go in with, I always go into game, I should say with, all right, these are my starting pitchers. These are my relief guys for this game. Um, this is my lineup. And then for me, Pat, and, you know, just, I guess, again, to give you a kind of a peek behind the curtain, um, I don't really care about wins and losses at the travel uh, set at the uh, travel in the travel space, but um, I always try to develop guys. Like my goal is to get guys in, um, get them a certain number of ABs uh, for me, like, I always want to try and get guys at least two ABs a game. Um, so what I try to do is I'll go in with a plan. I'll, I'll have a lineup. I'll say, all right, this guy's going to go in for this guy. This guy's going to go in for this guy. And again, that's just a soft plan, right? Things might change. Like your pitcher, you, you want pitchers to go four or five innings. Pitcher might go one inning. And now you got to shift that plan. But always be, you know, always have that plan. Always be prepared to, to adjust that plan and almost have like plans A, B, C, D, you know, in case something goes haywire. Yeah. We give up 10 um, runs in the first inning or yeah, exactly. It's happened. It's happened. Right. Um, and then on top of that, communicate, communicate with the guys that, that are on the bench. Like I always try and tell my guys um, like, all right, you're, you're, you're on the bench. This is your role that day or this game. Um, maybe you're going to come off as, as a, or come onto the field as a pinch runner. Maybe that's your only job that day. Be, be the best pinch runner you can be. I, I always go back to the uh, the 2004 playoffs with Dave Roberts, right? Dave Roberts' only goal that that one game was to be a, a pinch runner and to steal second base, right? And that was his one. That was his one job. And I think uh, communicating that with with athletes is is big and goes a long way and prepares them mentally and and uh, sometimes physically for that game or for that one instance. Um, over communicate right uh pitching is again i don't know as much about pitching as i do hitting and in, in infield and all that but um i always try to communicate with my pitchers all right here's what i want you to do like i you're going to start this game 
we'll push you to this many pitches. You're on a pitch count or, or you know, in count or, or whatever. Um, and then with the relievers, like, I try to communicate with them at least two or three innings before. Uh, hey, make sure you start stretching. Make sure you do this. Make sure you do that. Um, just so they're prepared. Uh, as you know, or may, you know, maybe you don't know, but uh, in travel baseball, uh, uh, you're dealing with a lot of, yeah, you're dealing with a lot of different uh, personalities. You're doing just baseball in general, I guess, but you're dealing with different personalities. You're dealing with different uh, levels of um, preparation. So like I may have a guy that doesn't even think about getting loose until five minutes before he's supposed to go in or, you know, the inning he's supposed to go in. So trying to keep guys uh, kind of on that soft plan, if you will, um, or, or prepared mentally to, you know, do what's next for them in, in, in the game. Um, th those are my two biggest things that are, like I said, have, having a plan, going with a plan and just over communicating. Um, for me, I, I would say as, as I've been a head coach, I've been an assistant coach. I think each role uh, uh, entails something different. So as a head coach, you always got to think a few innings ahead. And then as an assistant coach, you're more of a kind of in the moment type coach um, to where like if you're the if you're the head coach, you're thinking about your substitutions, you're thinking about your pitching changes, you're thinking about, you know, the strategy of the game a, a little bit ahead of when it happens. Like, all right, if if X happens, then I have to do this. If Y happens, then I have to do that. If you're and this is just kind of going off experiences, Pat, but um, like I said, as an assistant coach, I always try and think like one play ahead. So if it's, uh, you know, I mentioned the, the shift cards that I do. So if we have, all right, we know, um, we got the four five, six guys up. We know what we're shifting. Um, maybe the other team pinch hits for the five hole guy. All right. Now we got to quickly go in. Maybe it's a guy we don't have any information on. Now we got to try and adjust, um, you know, maybe it's adjusting pitch by pitch, right? All right, we we recognize something with the swing. All right, now I got a shout out to my shortstop to adjust this way, or my third baseman to adjust that way. Um, so that's kind of more of a roles idea, but um, yeah, from a game sense, game strategy, that's that's how I've always operated, and uh, I, it's probably a very um, kind of base level or or baseline operation for myself, but. Uh, you know, just again, to kind of give you a peek behind the curtain of how I go about it. That's, uh, that's it, man. So is there, is there a certain reason you uh, structure your lineup the way that you do like putting guys and, and hitting them in certain, certain slots? Uh, that's an interesting question, man. I I've always, I've always kind of gone about it. Um, I like to be collaborative, I guess, is, is how I'll start that, that answer. Like I'll take feedback from my assistant coaches. I'll take feedback from sometimes how, just how the player's doing. Like um, I'll just give you an example. Like if, if I have a guy who I know is he's got it, like he, he can, he can be a four hole guy, but man, he's really struggling with, with, a breaking ball. Like I'll try and get him down in the, uh, down in the lineup a little bit more. So he sees more fastballs. And again, that goes back to the communication uh, piece. Like I don't want to, I don't want to kill that guy's confidence. So I want to make sure that he knows why he's moving down. Um, but from a, a general like structure, 
Um, yeah, it, it depends, man. I, I've always kind of had the thought that you want to get your guy that's, um, you know, probably the best on base guy at the top of the lineup. Uh, you know, I, you always go back to, I, I always go back to like the, uh, the Indians. I grew up with the Cleveland Indians who now the Cleveland guardians, um, like Francona would put, uh, when Carlos Santana was on the roster, he'd put Carlos Santana as the leadoff guy. He's not your prototypical leadoff guy. You think back of when Kenny Lofton was on the roster, Kenny Lofton was the fastest guy on the team. You think, okay, that's your leadoff guy. But I think it's shifted to where now you want to find the guy that's going to get on base um, and kind of keep with that idea of you get on base, you move the runner and you score the runner. And um, if you can score early in the game um, and get that leadoff guy that, you know, on base guy up more often, you're going to get more guys on base. You're going to score more runs. So that kind of just goes back to just, you know, how baseball has changed and how lineup is, uh, how lineup uh, construction has changed. But yeah, man, for me, it's, it's, I look at on base, I look at, um, you know, in that one, that number one hole. And then two, is it a guy that can move runner, low strikeout guy. And then after that, I look at, you know, how, you know, um, how guys are performing, uh, I would always say like the top half of my lineup are, are guys that I know are going to get on base and drive runs in. Um, and again, like as you move up in, in levels, high school to college or professional, more guys can hit. Um, so you want to try and shift guys around to uh, just where they see, where they fit best and where you can find the best success for them. Um, and again, it goes back to like, if I have a guy that's, that's struggling a little bit, I'm going to move him down and, and get him more fastballs. And, and hopefully he's going to produce runs for us in the bottom half as much as he would uh, when he's on at the top of his game in the, in the top half. So it, it varies to answer your question. Yeah, totally. No, I think you, you answered that really well. And I, I think the, one of the most overlooked parts of coaching is what you talked about is the importance of just over communicating where players stand on, on the team, because, and you, that was a great example of, you know, you, maybe you drop a guy down in the lineup who's struggling, but you don't say anything to him. You know, he just walks over to the lineup card and sees that he's dropped now to seventh or eighth hole. And now your mind starts wondering, you know, why I'm starting, why I'm dropping in the lineup. Confidence goes down, production goes down, all that kind of stuff too. And that, that sounds so simple, but yet there's so many coaches who don't actually do that. And it's, it's so important. And trust me, I know because I've, I've gone through some pretty bad slumps, so I know, you know, but um, no, I, I, 100% 100% agree with with what you're saying. Uh, the next thing I want to ask about is, you know, you guys are, are well-known, Bo Jackson Elite. Well, I mean, I would say even just it seems like every year there's more and more players wanting to go and play for, for Bo Jackson Elite, even, you know, in the area that I'm in and, and all over the place. What would you say to to other travel organizations as as something that, that they could do that that would benefit travel baseball as a whole, no matter where they're at in the country, like what's something you feel like you guys do very well that maybe other organizations overlook? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, we, we've pride ourselves on player development. Um, we pride ourselves on uh, understanding the goals of each player and, and helping each player get, to 
where their ultimate goal is. Um, and then I, you know, we've talked a lot about communication, just communicating with players and parents. If, if it's a player that wants to play in college, like, Hey, here are the steps you need to take you, you as an individual needs to take to get to that level. Uh, as you can imagine, we have a lot of players that want to go play division one baseball, but are not a division one um, athlete. So getting them to understand okay, this is where you stand. This is where you sit as a player and then helping them, you know, um, kind of set those goals or uh, maybe they are friends, you know, division one guy and helping them set those goals to, you know, kind of rise above. Um, I would say, yeah, to, to, to answer your question, um, you know, player development is one of the biggest things uh, and props to our staff. We have, an awesome group of guys um, and a bunch of guys that have been around for a long time, not only in the baseball world, but at our facility. And I think that's, that's, you know, from a culture standpoint, that that's awesome because we can continue uh, with the same culture. We can continue with uh, the same um, philosophies. And I would say for myself and our staff, we are, uh, we love to be collaborative and, and create, you know, new ways of doing things. And as you can imagine, right, uh, every coach takes something from somebody, right? So we're always sharing ideas with each other on Twitter or, you know, DM Twitter or Instagram or whatever, when we see something. So I think that just, uh, just a testament to, to um, like I said, our staff and, and our uh, want or desire to just be the best staff around and uh put uh put the best product out there as we can um you know we we try i mentioned before we try to uh in-game uh opportunities we try and create development for in-game opportunities versus winning um i would say from my my answer to you and my i guess uh message to other organizations is don't worry so much about winning if if you do the right things uh, if you if you're teaching the 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 right way to play and i mentioned earlier the routines right like if you can understand or help players i should say help players understand where they are in in their um in their game where they are in in uh you know at their level help players understand that and and prepare them for whatever that next level is. So just as, as an example, like it's always our motto and, and this is what we always tell our, our youth coaches specifically, but also our, our high school coaches is it's your job to prepare players for the following year. So if it's a, an 18 year old or even a 17 year old that's um, committed to play in college, we're, we're preparing them to play in college. Um, if it's a kid that played junior varsity last year in his high school, we're preparing him to play varsity baseball. If it's an 11 year old, you know, we're preparing him to play 12 U baseball next year. Um, so getting them to getting them, meaning the coaches to understand that that is their role in our organization, that they're developing players for whatever that next step of their, of their game is. Um, and, you know, again, my message to coaches is don't always focus on winning, focus on developing players and wherever they are in their, in their uh, development and uh, and preparing them for that next level and, and adding them, uh, adding the tools for them to, you know, be successful at their current level. And then, you know, as they move down to that next year, uh, 
and down the road to their in their careers um, to be successful at each step of the way. So awesome. That was great. Great stuff. Brand, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Um, is there anything else you would you would want to have or want anybody to know about you? If so, four is yours. No, uh, nothing specific, man. I, uh, like I said, I, I don't, I don't know everything. I'm not, uh, you know, I, even though I'm a quote unquote professional coach or what people call a professional coach, man, I'm always learning. Uh, I love learning. I love finding new ways to, to teach, finding new ways to, um, to go about, uh, you know, whether it's incorporating drills or, um, just, communicating with players um i i love i love that stuff and um you know i'm always open to talking baseball and i'm i'm glad that you and i finally got a chance to to do this because i love talking baseball i love talking coaching um it's funny i always i always joke but uh uh i'm 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 a lifelong learner and i feel like i've like dedicated myself to the game and uh i always joke that uh my wife's super supportive, but, uh, like I've, I, I've, uh, I've paid for like my own, uh, rep Soto certifications and my own on-base use certifications. Um, so at any time I can try and find ways to better my game, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do it. So, um, yeah, man, that's probably the, the, the biggest message is, you know, if I'm talking to other coaches is don't be afraid to, to, to learn and, and be open-minded and, um, you know, talk to other people and try and just find new ways of doing things. And, uh, you know, I think that's ultimately, we, we want to grow the game and, you know, regardless of what level we're at, we, we always look to grow the game. So um, if you can, like I said, re remain open-minded and, and continue to collaborate with coaches around you and find a, find an inner circle, like, uh, yeah, I, we didn't touch on in this in this interview, but I have an inner circle of, of people that I reach out to on a daily and weekly basis to talk coaching, talk infield play, talk, you know, even just from a, like managing um, personalities or managing uh, relationships. I, I'll I'll do that. And I'll I have that inner circle of people that I I reach out to on a daily and, and weekly basis to um, just, you know, always grow and, uh, you know, never get complacent with where I am and, uh, whether that's professionally or, or, uh, or not. So yeah, man, that's, uh, that's what I would want people to, to take away from, from me and know about me. And, uh, I'm always open to talking, talking, you know, like I said, baseball, if, if people want to, uh, reach out to me on Twitter or, or Instagram, I'm more probably active on Twitter than anything, but, uh, at B underscore zinc, 12 and that's zinc with an s s z i n k as people will probably see on the on the podcast but uh yeah that's that's it man i appreciate you having me on no it's been a ton of fun man i appreciate it and um you know look forward to continuing and and talking baseball down the road absolutely yeah feel, feel free to make your way to columbus and if i don't see you soon then i'm sure i'll see you in indy or cincinnati yeah, yeah. or uh sure. or whatever next year so again Sounds i appreciate good. you having me on pat for sure man